is is we live in a day and age where people may not want to worship the true God and if you're not worshiping the true and living God you can worship however you want because that God doesn't care because he's not real but if you know the true and living God then God actually wants us to worship specific ways not everything that we bring as an offering to God is what God would want so the true and living God has preferences and desires for how we worship him In today's message, Pastor Daniel discusses ways in which God desires to be worshipped. If we truly desire to follow God, we'll do our best to learn how He wants to be worshipped. We'll learn by studying God's Word and spending time in His presence. If we're bringing something to God that He doesn't want, we won't be honoring Him for everything He's done in our lives. Pastor Daniel's message today does contain several mature themes, so beware. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 23, with part one of his message, Keep It Clean. All right, let's open up in our Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 23. Deuteronomy 23, as we continue our study here through the, what we call the Old Testament, now we're in the fifth book of our Bibles, the book of Deuteronomy. I'm calling this message, Keeping It Clean, because, I mean, let's be honest, the book of Deuteronomy, you kind of get to cover some strange topics, things that you maybe wouldn't normally talk about. Uh, The number of pastors who teach verse by verse through the book of Deuteronomy are very few, and if you've been traveling with us through this, you know exactly why. This idea of keeping things clean. See, God, his desire for you and for me is that we be set apart. And he wants to make us pure in Christ. And so there's this idea in the Bible that God wants us to be able to differentiate between what is clean and what is unclean, what is pure and what is impure. And for the people of God, God wants his people to be set apart, to be unique and distinct. And so all through the law, we keep seeing all these kind of differentiations. And so in a lot of ways, what we end up having in this chapter is that verses 1 to 8 are going to be dealing with maintaining purity within the religious assembly. And then verses 9 to 14 It's going to be dealing with purity within the camp when they're going to battle. And so that's why I'm calling it keep it clean because God's idea is that the people would be set apart and there would be a cleanliness there. Now, we're going to unpack a lot of different stuff. And I think as you're hearing this study and as you're reading Deuteronomy 23, my encouragement to you is when you're hearing it, you have to think to yourself, this is stuff from thousands of years ago. And so there's certain principles in here that we can transfer, and there's other things that are going to be absolutely specific for the time and place in which it happens. So without further ado, let's jump on in. Deuteronomy chapter 23, picking up in verse 1, it says this, He who is emasculated by crushing or mutilation shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. 
one of illegitimate birth shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. Even to the tenth generation, none of his descendants shall enter the assembly of the Lord. An Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. Even to the tenth generation, none of his descendants shall enter the assembly of the Lord forever. Because they did not meet you with bread and water on the road when you came out of the land of Egypt, and because you hired, they hired against you Balaam, the son of Ber from Pethor of Mesopotamia to curse you. Nevertheless, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loves you. You shall not seek their peace nor their prosperity all your days forever. You shall not abhor an Edomite, for he is your brother. You shall not abhor an Egyptian, because you were an alien in his land. The children of the third generation born to them may enter the assembly of the Lord. So it begins with a series of exclusions. Now, I think what's important to put up in front, the assembly of the Lord was the religious assembly of the children of Israel. So you have to remember that the children of Israel are gathered together as a nation, right? But then they would gather together for worship and then all the different festivals. And so the idea of the assembly of the Lord means not the people who are living within the boundaries of Israel, but when the people were gathered together for worship. So the idea was is that there's going to be a mixed multitude living in the land, but the people who gather together for worship, to honor the true and living God, that is the group that we're talking about. Now, don't forget, and I think we need to put this up front, is that the very first commandment in the Ten Commandments is that we should have no other God other than God, right? We should worship no other gods before him. So the very first commandment is we need to make sure we worship the real God. And then the second commandment is that you shall not make any images for yourself. So you have the true God, and the true God wants to be worshipped the right way. That's important. Because what happens is, is we live in a day and age where people may not want to worship the true God. And if you're not worshiping the true and living God, you can worship however you want because that God doesn't care because he's not real. But if you know the true and living God, then God actually wants us to worship specific ways. Not everything that we bring as an offering to God is what God would want. So the true and living God has preferences and desires for how we worship him. And I think that's very, very important because when you start looking at these exclusions and why they're there and all these differentiations, what you're hearing is that the true and living God wants to be worshipped in specific ways. God has preferences. And that's part of God's personhood, isn't it? I think oftentimes we have this feeling that God's preferences, it's almost like I can't believe God would have those preferences. But if God is a person, don't we all have preferences? I mean, I know if it's up to me, I'll eat a Twinkie with every meal. You know, it's like, that's a preference that I have. I'm not saying everyone has to do it, you know? But like, I always just joke, and I know it's blasphemy, so it is a joke. But if I was a god, I would want them to offer me Twinkies, you know? But the beauty is, is I'm not the true and living God, so I'm not asking for a Twinkie offerings. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, God can choose how he wants to be worshipped. And with these exclusions, we start learning some of God's preferences. So notice first, in verse 1, it says, He who is emasculated by crushing or mutilation shall not enter 
the assembly of the Lord. So this idea of being emasculated, of course, and, and Pastor Jason did make an announcement that if you have kids in here, we have kids program, and there's a reason why, because we're going to talk about being emasculated. So the idea, this is a male who no longer has male genitalia, either by crushing or mutilation. So the idea is, this is not a young man who was born this way. This was a young man or a man who made himself this way. And oftentimes the idea of being emasculated in that culture had to do with worshiping foreign gods. And so the idea here is if a man will go so far as to emasculate himself, then that is unacceptable in the assembly of the Lord. Now, this becomes very, very fascinating, especially in the day and age that we live in, because now we, we're living in a day and age where gender confusion is becoming normalized. Now, here's the thing. All of us have history, and all of us come from different places, right? And whatever you were before you came to know Jesus, God forgives. But if you are here and in Christ, if you are struggling with your gender identity, my encouragement to you is you are more than your gender identity, You are in Christ, and God knows exactly what he's doing with your life. So the idea of us choosing to change genders because there's confusion actually misses the point because in the flesh, all of us are confused. But in Christ, God shows us what real and what real isn't. So I think this is very, very important because the idea is like the most basic foundation of creation is that God created the male and female, right? There's this differentiation of the sexes, and that's part of the way God created it. It's amazing that in Romans chapter 1, when they're talking about the godlessness that, that God's wrath is coming upon, he breaks it down. It's about creation, that God made the male and female, This is the most basic creational reality. And so for the worshipers of the true and living God, there couldn't be men who chose to be emasculated for some other reason. And so it says they shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. Now, in verse 2, we learn that when one is of illegitimate birth shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. Even to the 10th generation, none of his descendants shall enter the assembly of the Lord. Now, I realize that this sounds very like, I mean, for many of us, we're like, well, hey, I was born illegitimately. Now, you have to realize, if you've been tracking with us through all of the Old Testament, especially these, the laws, that when somebody had sexual relations outside of marriage, it was punishable by death. And we studied that last week. And so the idea here is that In our generation, unfortunately, it's very common for this to happen. But in these times, it was extraordinarily uncommon for it to happen. And so the idea of a child who is born illegitimately is not entered into the assembly of the Lord. And so, again, it's challenging because it's one of those realities that is so common for us today. But when God is setting a standard for purity, part of God's standard is not only the creational account of male and female, but the offspring that comes from the union of a man and a woman in the dynamics of family. And so the foundation of God's people is one biological male with one biological female and ultimately having offspring. That's God's design. And we always have to keep that. Now, again, we live in a day and age where because of how our world works, we have to make sure we are the, that's God's ideal and that's God's desire. Now, again, you might be saying, well, that's not my story. What, what does it mean about me? Listen, there's grace in Christ. And we always have to remember that, that God places the ideal in front of us, and but God also realizes we don't live in an ideal world. That's exactly why Jesus came, 
Jesus came and he lived and he died and he rose again because the world that we live in is not ideal anymore. That the ideal world was forfeited in the Garden of Eden by Adam and Eve by eating the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So we live with this tension of we live in a not ideal world, but we have God's ideal standard. And Jesus is not afraid of that tension. He wants to work in our lives in the midst of this tension. So if you're here and you're in Christ today, no matter what your heritage is, you are forgiven and acceptable in Christ because of his death on the cross. But with that being said, we move forward in Christ saying this is God's ideal and we seek to live and move within the ideal and we do not want to deviate from those ideals because they're God's good plans for a good world and a world that he is redeeming. Does that make sense? Okay, so we have... No emasculated males. We have no illegitimate birth children. Now, in verse 3 and following, a Mo, an Ammonite or a Moabite shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. Even to the 10th generation, none of his descendants shall enter the assembly of the Lord forever because they did not meet you with bread and water on the when you came out of Egypt. And because they hired against you Balaam, the son of Beor, from Pethor of Mesopotamia, to curse you. So we have here the Ammonites and the Moabites. Now, if you remember back to the book of Genesis, the Ammonites and the Moabites, Ammon and Moab were born to Lot, right? Who was the cousin or nephew of Abraham and his incestuous relationship with his daughters. Now, I know that sounds like a soap opera, a really bad one, but that is in the book of Genesis, And so you can read about it. If you remember the story when Abraham and when Lot, there was infighting because both of them had been very, very prosperous. And so even though God had promised the whole region to Abraham, Abraham said to Lot, look, we need to separate. You can choose whichever way you want and I'll choose my side. He gave Lot the choice and Lot chose the area towards Sodom and Gomorrah, right? And so then Lot went, but because Lot moved towards Sodom and Gomorrah, in some ways he began to take on the lifestyle of Sodom and Gomorrah as well. Not in its judgment sense, but there was a lot of things that went on that was weird. And when God judged Sodom and Gomorrah for their immorality, remember, Lot fled with his wife and his two daughters, but Lot's wife looked back, even though the angel said, don't look back. And she turned into a pillar of salt. Why? Because she was looking back longingly on what God had judged. And so because the daughters of Lot thought that every single male was killed, they got their father drunk and they each laid with him. I know it sounds awful, but that's in our Bible. So if you think the Bible's boring, you're wrong. But the offspring of Lot with his daughters are the Ammonites and the Moabites. Now, there are two things that went on that is causing hostility in the heart of the Lord against the Ammonite and the Moabite. Neither one of their descendants is allowed in the assembly of the Lord. First, in verse 4, because they did not meet you with bread and water on the road when you came out of the land of Egypt. You can read about that. We studied that in Deuteronomy chapter 2, where instead of Ammon, the Ammonites and the Moabites coming out and helping, they were hindering them. Right? So that was the first problem. And then the second problem, of course, you get from verse 5, was the hiring of Balaam to curse them. And of course, that was in Numbers chapter 22 to 24. 
Remember, the king of the Moabites was terrified by the children of Israel and invited this prophet named Balaam and said, listen, I want you to come and curse the children of Israel. And Balaam said, well, I can only go if the Lord tells me to go. The Lord says, don't go. And they came back in, come on, could we go, Balaam? Balaam finally goes. And remember, he almost gets killed and his donkey talks to him. Again, if you think the Bible's boring, you're not reading it. Like a million movies have been made out of stuff like this. You know, animals talking. We have a whole Dr. Doolittle thing, all because you just read it in the Bible and you have animals talking to a prophet and it all is it's fun, you know. But what ended up happening was ultimately is Balaam couldn't curse the children of Israel. Why? It tells us right in these verses here. Look what it says. It says in verse five, nevertheless, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam But the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loves you. See, Balaam couldn't do to the children of Israel what the Lord would not allow. Why? Because the Lord loved him. And my friends, listen, this is so important. God loves you. And nobody can do anything to you because God loves you. All sorts of things can happen, but everything that does happen ultimately lines up with God's purposes and plans for our lives. And what people mean for evil, God can use for good. And it's so important for us to have that hope and that trust. We don't want to have hope in hope. We don't want to trust in trust. We trust in the God who loves us and can turn cursings into blessings. How many of you have experienced where someone tried to do something wrong by you, but God turned it into something good? See, that's the beauty of being a child of God. Because the God who loves you will not allow anything to go on that he cannot leverage for the blessings of his people. And I know you think that's impossible. And some of you, maybe you're going through deep trials right now where you're like, there's absolutely no way that that's possible. And what I would tell you is that with people, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And if God can take Jesus's most unjust crucifixion on the cross at the hands of his own creation and resurrect him from the dead and save generations alive by the resurrection. If he can turn the cross into a blessing, then whatever you're going through, if you give the Lord room to work, he will be able to bring beauty out of it. And sure, I won't be able to explain to you how God's gonna do it and your friends won't be able to explain it, but God has a tremendous way of doing that. And what I want you to know is that when you see God do that, it changes your life, doesn't it? Because all of a sudden you're like, how is it possible that God could do something beautiful in my life through such a tragedy? See, if you remember in Numbers 22 to 24, Balaam couldn't curse the children of Israel, but he did tell the Moabites that the way to get the children of Israel to stumble was to send women into the valley to tempt the men. And all sorts of things went on. But God even was able to redeem such a tragic encounter. So for this reason, the Moabites and the Ammonites are excluded because of the history of what they have done. Notice what it says in verse six. It says, you shall not seek their peace nor their prosperity all of your days. Wow. Because of what they have done, God has excluded them completely. Now, what's interesting in verses 7 and 8, we get two groups of people who are not to be treated in the same way as the Ammonites and the Moabites. Like what it says, you shall not abhor an Edomite, for he is your brother. So first we have the Edomites. Remember, the Edomites were the descendants of Esau. Do you remember Jacob? Remember Isaac and his wife, Rebecca? They had twins, right? They had Jacob 
and Esau, right? And they named Esau because he was hairy and handsome like me. But no, that's what it means. It means hairy. You know what I mean? And then you have Jacob, right? And so the descendants of Esau were called the Edomites, right? And so the Edomites, like, don't abhor them. Don't treat them like the Ammonites or the Moabites. Why? Because he's your brother. And so there's a family tie. And also, and kind of interestingly, in the middle of verse 7, you shall not abhor an Egyptian because you are an alien in his land, the children of the third generation born to them may enter the assembly of the Lord. So even though there was all sorts of issues for the children of Israel in Egypt, don't forget that although in the Exodus account, we find out that the Pharaoh who rose up who didn't know Joseph, he oppressed the children of Israel for hundreds of years before that. They were treated well in Egypt and they were given places of preference and honor and they were able to be saved alive by the Lord, by sending Joseph there long before the children of Israel got there. And so he's saying, for these two groups of people, because of their interactions with you, and although in Egypt it was negative at the end, you should take care of them. And after three generations, they could be admitted into the assembly of the Lord. So what you find here, and I think it's interesting, is that not everyone who worshiped the true and living God were going to come from the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, there were going to be people who were going to want to be a part of the family of God, even though they weren't ethnically part of the family. And God gives opportunity for their inclusion into the family of God. And I wanted to bring that up because for a lot of people, you don't enter the assembly of the Lord, the worshiping community, because you feel like, you know what, I've just done so much wrong. And like, I didn't come from the right family and I got every, you know, I got this stuff wrong. And the beauty is, in Christ, you are acceptable in the beloved. And even though maybe your family wasn't perfect or you've made all sorts of mistakes, when you come and you say, Jesus, I want to worship. I want to be part of your people. You are accepted if you come by grace in Christ. You put your faith and trust in Jesus. And God makes provision for outsiders to become family members. You know what I love about that? That was my experience. I remember having those thoughts when I first started to think about Jesus. And I remember thinking to myself, man, if I darken the door of a church, it might fall in on me. You know, anybody else ever have that thought? You're like, man, if I go to church, God's going to strike me down right there, you know? And I remember the first time I went, I was just like, I was hoping I'd make it out alive, you know? But, But God makes provision for us in Christ. So it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter where you've been. If you are in Christ... You are part of the assembly of the Lord. Now, so first we have this purity in the religious assembly. And now in verse 9, we start seeing purity within the war camp. Now remember, the children of Israel are on the edge of the promised land, and they're going to be going into the promised land, and there's going to be a lot of battles that are going to take place. We're going to read about all of them in the first half of the book of Joshua. But notice there is some provisions for cleanliness In the camp, notice what it says in verse 9. When the army goes out against your enemies, then keep yourself from every wicked thing. If there is any man among you who becomes unclean by some occurrence in the night, then he shall go outside the camp. He shall not come inside the camp, but it shall be when evening comes that he shall wash with water. And when the sun sets, he may come into the camp. Jesus is 
We discovered in today's message that God desires a pure place for people to worship and a clean and pure place for us to live. Though some of today's teachings were meant specifically for a time period, Pastor Daniel unlocked many insightful things that we could learn from and apply to our own lives today. God desires us to live pure lives, and with His help, we can accomplish this. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here. I'm the lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church. I love that God invites all of us to be a part of His family, and I wanted to invite you to be a part of my family of faith in Vancouver. Services on Sundays at 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 1 p.m., or in Southwest Portland, our service on Sundays at 10 a.m., as well as midweek services Wednesday at 7 p.m. at both campuses. We would love to have you join us, and if you're at a distance, check us out on our internet campus, crossroadslive.tv. I look forward to seeing you soon. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel teaches on some challenging topics that may be confusing but need to be discussed. God made provisions for His people to keep their lives and their dwelling places clean all for their protection. When we allow things into our lives that could harm us, even just at a spiritual level, it distances us from the purity of God and could be dangerous to others. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.